Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. To the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. <laughs> With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, f***ing geek. A, a f***ing like geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What's going on? Welcome, uh, welcome in. We're doing a new thing this year for the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. Uh, we are going to be recording these live. Um, we're hoping and shooting for every Thursday morning about this time, 10 a.m. or so. Uh, but I think this would be a really fun and cool way to get a little bit more interaction um, in terms of welcoming people into the podcast and getting feedback. I also like to you know, learn from people as well. So any insights that people have, anybody um, that would generally be interested in submitting their thoughts as well. Uh, it could be a lot of fun. So we're going to record these, uh, shooting for Thursday mornings, see if Tom Burns is going to be with us from Mad Dog Sports Radio just a couple minutes from now, get his thoughts on the impending NBA season. But we're finally here. NBA season is finally here. And of course, we're looking forward to what is going to be, I think, a pretty exciting season too. So for those who are listening in terms of podcast form, uh, we are going to be live on twitch.tv slash mejvt. We're going to be live up on Twitter as well. Thursday mornings, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast. But again, these will also always be available in podcast form, too. So if you're not around for the live show, and then, of course, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And as far as coverage goes, uh, this is going to be a good season. You know, we're, this is where we're really kind of, um, if you remember last season, we started, I think, about midway through in terms of where we really ratcheted up the coverage, right? Shifting over to the NBA analyst role, getting more stuff up on the website. It sounds like we're toying with ideas in terms of doing a couple more of these live streams twice a week, maybe, potentially before the games begin, start handicapping some of those games, closing lines, injury moves, things like that. And, of course, you want to make sure that you check out the NBA guide, which is up and out and live. Um, a lot of hard work went into that. A lot of people, of course, contributing to that thing as well. You get expert predictions on season-long uh, predictions right in terms of um, seating. You get Aaron Renning in there. Matt Humans, Mitch Moss, Kelly Vidlin, Will Hill, and myself 
as we look ahead to the season and what these teams are going to be in terms of seeding, MVP selections as well, uh, which we'll get to with Tom as well, see if he's got any insights on that. And, of course, right, big things um, like win total selections. We've got six best bets and win totals, which we'll get to at some point in this podcast. That'll be a lot of fun in terms of what we're looking forward to. A lot of uh, – I was looking through some of the win totals um, that I had bet. Not the most glamorous teams to track throughout the season, but I think that's what you get in terms of value, right? You can find it a little bit deeper on the board in terms of some of the teams that might not be as sexy in terms of power rating and whatnot, but uh, there's some good value deep on the board when you're looking at a lot of that stuff. So vcin.com slash subscribe, uh, vcin.com slash JVT as well if you want to find out all the written work. Uh, regular columns will be starting to go up there once the season begins. We're going to do daily write-ups as well throughout the season, so that'll be a lot of fun too. And I actually, I'm just really excited, man. Like, the NBA season is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. So Tom Burns is going to be with us in just a couple of minutes from now. Uh, NBA handicapper, host over on SiriusXM Mad Dog Radio. I've had him on a lot in the past. Great NBA mind as we're going to get into what he thinks. He's got his models and what he is predicting for this upcoming NBA season. Um, and he is actually, look at this. Look at this. He's here. He's right here. What's up, man? How you doing? I just I just asked you what the display name is. Then I realized a moron. It's my name. Yeah, first yeah, time using Streamyard. How are you, Jamie? <laughs> I'm good, man. Yeah, this is a pretty cool platform. So I, we're kind of messing around. You know, you as a broadcaster too. We've talked about broadcasting stuff before, but uh, I think for Veasan, one of the things that we can do a little bit better is interacting with people. So recording these live and getting feedback every once in a while would be a lot of fun. But I appreciate you coming on, dude. Really appreciate it. Can't believe the season's right around the corner because I'm like you. I know you always fight against the perception all we do is cap basketball. Yeah. I'm into the football. I'm into the baseball. There's so much going on right now, but you have to turn your attention to this NBA card, and there are some juicy win totals. I'll tell you this much. Good job with the new magazine. Thank you. But I just thumbed through it a little bit. I, I think humans is going to the drive through a little too often. Does he have Miami winning the East? And I think you have them second in the East. I think you guys are nuts. I don't think Miami's reaching their win total. I have them at 43 wins. Kyle Lowry's getting up there. What's going to be 36 now? I don't like that. Tyler Hero can tell me all he wants how great he is. We both know he's not that good. Yep. I like the under on Miami. But otherwise, I, I'm so far so good. I'm impressed. I like it. I like it. Thank you very much. So, okay, we'll get to Miami because I, I, it sounds like – because I wanted to ask you about your overvalued and undervalued teams by the market. It sounds like Miami might be there. Uh, but I wanted to start with kind of the bigger teams, the favorites, the news, and then we'll trickle down from that point. And I think it's it's kind of hard not to begin even anywhere but <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving and everything going on there. And so we get the news on Tuesday that Kyrie Irving's not going to be part of team activities until he can fully participate, i.e. get vaccinated. Um, and we haven't seen a lot of market adjustment, Tom, and I don't think that should be the case, right? Westgate goes from 55.5 on the win total to 54.5. DraftKings, super high on Brooklyn, still 2-1 to one to win a title and 56.5 on the win total. So for me, Brooklyn's just as viable as a contender if you were to tell me right now that Kyrie Irving's not going to play for the rest of the season. Do you tweak the odds a little bit? Sure. I think you're talking about like 253 to one and, you know, a win total of about 54, 53 and a half. But regardless, this is still a massive threat in the NBA. Where are you at with uh, Kyrie Irving and uh, no Kyrie Irving, you should put it that way, for the Brooklyn Nets? I'm looking at my numbers. I have them at 63 and a half. Now that's with Kyrie. Without Kyrie, I'll I'll run them again at some point. I imagine it's going to hurt them a couple games. But to your point, I mean, if they get James Harden playing 80 games, if Kevin Durant doesn't take too much load management, I think this Brooklyn team could still win the East. Now, I think Milwaukee is getting slept on again, JVT. No surprise there. Giannis is great. I mean, he just won a chip without an all-NBA player. But that's not to suggest they're bereft of talent. We know how good Holiday is. We know how, how good Middleton is. 
The Sixers have some issues. I'm sure we'll get to that. This is not a good thing for the Nets. Make no mistake about it. They went from close to a lock, in my opinion. I don't know how yeah. you viewed it, but to me, everybody could talk about the Lakers all they want. I'm not even sure they're the best team in their own conference. The Nets were the best team in the East and the league, bar none. Without them, I think it's at least a conversation. Without them, it's actually better for the league in terms of the, the ability of other teams in the East to compete. Right. I think, like, w without Kyrie Irving, the door opens a little bit more for, like, a team like Milwaukee, right? Like, I like Milwaukee a lot. I think additions to, like, Grayson Allen to the bench, retaining Bobby Portis, George Hill, like, that's a Milwaukee team. And I think we should talk about, two Milwaukee, one of the things that I think gives you a little bit more confidence with them, right, is the fact that Bud maybe now in the postseason is be like, hey, I can play Giannis at the five and still right. kind of thrive in this. And so I think winning a title really helps them, too. But I think that's, for me, I'm along those lines. Like, they should still probably be the favorite to win the Eastern Conference. They should still be one of the favorites to win a title. But if you're talking about like you, like I actually thought there should be an argument that they could be close to like an odds-on favorite, like me laying a price to win a title coming into the season if wow. they were at full strength with Kyrie Irving. And last time we saw that, of course, was the Warriors when they were at the peak of their powers. Yeah, no question. They were going to be great. I mean, they have two historically first ballot great players and James Harden and Kevin Durant. And then, of course, you got – Kyrie Irving, who drives you nuts, but mm -hmm. averaged 27 a night in a best-of-seven series. People forget, hit the biggest shot of that particular series. It was preceded by one of the greatest blocks we've ever seen. So, sure, it's overshadowed a little bit. So, we could all say what we want about Kyrie, but he is a very good player. Now, you could argue, well, they already had plenty of scoring. You're right about that. They're going to need defense, ultimately, to reach their ceiling. We'll see how that goes for them. But I think this team's going to be motivated. It's probably good to get that distraction out of the way. You know, they could have beaten Milwaukee last year when they were – basically at 50% strength. And so I'm with you. They went from 2017 Warriors type of lock to still likely as long as these guys stay healthy and play JVT to be the best team. Again, you know, I look at Milwaukee, though. I have my numbers have them at 72.76, so 63 wins. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, 62.76. 63 wins for the year. You know, Middleton's consistent. They always play their guys. Bud didn't play them as much last year. Um, you know, he doesn't like to play Giannis a lot, though. Remember a couple of years ago, in fact, he only played Giannis like 30 a night. Yep. And people blamed the postseason struggles on that. So he played him like 32 a night this past year, and you had knuckleheads saying, well, that's the difference. But the point is, even though he might not play him 48 minutes, he's going to play him pretty consistently. Like, I don't see the Bucks doing too much load management. They'll be consistent. It won't surprise me if they win the one seed. But, you know, at the end of the day, Brooklyn's got a higher ceiling. And I don't know if the lack of home court advantage might – not even make a difference. And at that point, Kyrie could be back. Brooklyn yep. could change their rules in terms of the vaccination. And, and you know what? And that's why I think you've seen this tepid response from the market too. Look, it, tomorrow we could get the report that Kyrie, Kyrie got the shot and everything's fine, right? Like that's that's the difference in this weird thing yeah. with, with the Nets is he can get a shot, everything's fine, and we're all right back to normal by the time we get to Tuesday where they're going to take on the Milwaukee Bucks. So yep. this is a developing story. But Kyrie's past leads you to believe he's a little stubborn and this might not resolve itself <laughs> for a while if you're the right. Brooklyn Nets. So you alluded to something that I think is pretty interesting. So let's talk about the Lakers then, because obviously the other headline here, of course, and it's the Lakers. They're always going to be at the top of the narrative list. Uh, it's LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. It's Southern California. It's a glamour franchise. So there's a couple of things here. First off, it's the injury concerns that are already starting to mount up with them before the season starts, right? We're talking about Trevor Ariza out for two months, uh, the procedure yeah. on his ankle, Taylor Horton Tucker, surgery to report, uh, repair a torn ligament in his thumb. He's going to be out potentially six to eight weeks, maybe a month. Um, and Malik Monk and then Kendrick Nunn also popping up an injury report before preseason games, Wayne Ellington too. So let's – Trevor Ariza, it's a big loss for them because that's depth at the wing, right? They need wing guys. They don't have a lot of them. Trevor Ariza was going to be that. 
Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, developmental guy. They believe in him quite a bit. You know That is obviously uh, by the extension of the money that they gave him. And then, of course, you have the depth guys in Nunn and Malik Monk. Malik Monk, by the way, in the preseason has been great and by all accounts in practice has been absolutely phenomenal. Let's put that aside and let's assume by the time we get to February, every, they're full strength, full bore. Everybody's available for the Los Angeles Lakers. Where are you at with L.A. in terms of their viability in the Western Conference? Because you said you don't even think they're the best team in their conference, correct? Well, I don't know if they're a lock to be the best team in their conference. Um, I think your Clippers would be the best team in the conference if Kawhi Leonard was healthy. I mean, it really is a shame. Other than the Clippers, though, and they're out, I think you have Utah. I could definitely see them winning a lot of games. I think Utah and L.A. lead my numbers. Uh, Utah at 51-2-7, Lakers at 51-7-5. I have Portland high 40s, but you know me, JVT. Eyeball test. I don't love Portland. I hate the way they defend. I think they could have some issues with Dame Lillard, quite frankly, if they get off to a lousy start. You know, Nurk is never there on a consistent basis. That's another thing that bothers you. They're better defensively when they have him, but he's never there. You know, Phoenix high 40s, Denver high 40s. I think Dallas could get to the high 40s. I think the Pelicans, we should talk about them, are a little better than people think. You know, I'm thinking about taking the over there. I haven't played it yet, but I have them winning 44 games. I know it's a lousy offseason. Everybody's down on my guy, David Griffin. Because he hasn't done a phenomenal job. I get it. And if Zion has eyes to leave the organization, that is a problem. But they're still, I think, a better than a 500 team. But long story short, the Lakers could very easily win the West, but I would never play the over yeah. because you know there's going to be load management. And the other thing to consider, in theory, the type of guy you want to get around LeBron James is the shooter, not a Russell Westbrook type who needs the ball in his hands ultimately to have a true impact on winning. You don't want him with the ball in his hands too often when you have LeBron or even Anthony Davis. Now, I think they'll be smarter. Frank Vogel will play AD at the five more, which is a better look and a better lineup for the Lakers. But I don't know if the Russ-LeBron marriage, and they love each other right now. I want, that's wonderful. That's a great thing. They're going to each other's weddings and all that stuff. If they get off to a rocky start, all right, and the criticism's there, and Russ is turning it over, leading the league in turnovers, that could be interesting. I don't know if they're going to be a great – regular season team but in the postseason they're going to be a ridiculously tough out yeah it's so we finally got to see them play together on tuesday right they, they played against the warriors in the preseason right. it was ad it was with russ and it was lebron big positive was that ad started at the five now starting at the five right. of the preseason About is time. different <laughs> right but doing that in the preseason is different than doing it almost every day in the regular season so we'll see if that's going to be the case uh, but there was a couple there was a couple of key possessions one of my favorite ones was lebron ad pick and roll on the left wing they run it, works to perfection. LeBron kicks it out to a wide-open shooter. The problem is that wide-open shooter is Russell Westbrook, who then misses a wide-open three, and it's a rebound Warriors uh, go the other way. And yep. so like, those are the little things, right, that you wonder how those all fit together. And I think when it comes to Westbrook, right, it's on him to become a little bit more dynamic off the ball. And it's not just shooting. It's, right, it's cutting at the right time. It's yep. knowing how to play your position outside of just being an open shooter. And Russ really hasn't displayed that throughout his career. And, like, it's got to happen because we're talking about now his career shooting percentage from three is in the range of, what, like 31% now? It's just not a viable option, and he's got to buy a little bit more into that role. Will he, though? I don't know. I mean, I watched Allen Iverson forever in Philadelphia, and I told everybody who wouldn't want to listen that the second that, you know, he loses a little bit of a step, he's done. He's Mm -hmm. not a great outside shooter. He needs the ball in his hands to be great. He's not that efficient. You know, Russell Westbrook and Allen Iverson aren't the same player, but you get the idea. You know, a lot of people just assume, well, these guys will get older, they'll get smarter, they'll adapt their game. That doesn't always happen, man. Russ is a competitor. Russ is a great teammate in terms of if Russ is your teammate, you'll love him because he'll defend you to death. All right? He'll have your back always. But on the floor, Russ trusts one man. He trusts himself. And I don't even know if that changes for LeBron. I'm sure early in the season he'll go out of his way to make LeBron comfortable. 
But at a big moment late in the season, Russ is going to shoot that shot if he has it. That's Russ. And there are going to be times where LeBron's going to get a little frustrated with Russ. We'll see how he handles it. Maybe, you know, some veiled social media post to give us a little drama midway through the year. Uh, but they'll be fine in the postseason. You know this. LeBron knows how to navigate the postseason. They got a lot of guys on that squad that went through the run a couple of years ago. AD at the fives is efficient and as good as anybody not named Embiid and Jokic at the position. So the Lakers will still be as good as anybody, but the way people discuss them, how often they're discussed, you would assume that they're the Nets with Kyrie. They're not. They're not the same. If this were five to ten years ago, sure. The Dwight Howard's 2009 Dwight Howard. Look out. Give him the crown. But, you know, those days are long gone. So we'll see. The Russ-LeBron marriage is going to be fascinating. And don't forget about Carmelo. You know, listen, Carmelo takes a lot of heat. He's actually not that bad relative to what he makes. But he's still not an efficient player. So that's a bigger name than game situation in L.A. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. Interact with the show on Twitter at me, JVT, at Roach underscore 97, and at VSIN Live. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So you mentioned a team that I have. So let's get into undervalued and overvalued teams as we enter the season. And uh, one win total bet that I have made, one win total bet um, that, you know, I don't know if you've known that uh, the Westgate puts on a win totals contest for the NBA before the season starts. So you Ooh. pick every single win total uh, over or under. Uh, they're set win totals as well. So there's a couple, you know, like the, right now the Westgate adjusted the Nets win total, for example, to 54.5 for the Kyrie Irving news. It's 55.5 in the, t- in, the, uh, in the contest. So you get some stale numbers every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so 
I will be using this. Uh, I think I'm going to have two entries. You can get up to three. I'll be using the Pelicans over on each one of those. So let's talk about the yeah. undervalued teams because I would agree with you. Now, I think there is, like, my – I got a little hesitant when we have, like, you know, the noise around Zion Williamson and his injury and what's going on and, you know, how long the recovery is going to be for him. It does seem relatively positive that it's not going to be much missed time, if any. So, with that, what do you make of New Orleans? Because I, I think – Devontae Graham is like a sneaky lateral move at point guard. If Lonzo Ball is going to be out there, you get Devontae Graham in there, who's a solid team defender and just as good a shooter as Lonzo Ball. I think Jonas Valanciunas actually works better at center than Steven Adams does because he'll at least take a three-point shot a game and force an opposing center to come out and open the floor for guys like Zion Williamson. I think there is some sneaky potential here for New Orleans. And here's the thing, the biggest thing with me, Tom, is the fact that when you look at the market and the way that they have perceived New Orleans, every year it has been way too high. And I've yep. actually been anti-New Orleans almost yep. every time since Zion's been there. In the bubble, played against them in almost every single seeding game. Last year had an under on their win total. But now we're talking about an 82-game schedule, a win total that's actually one win higher than their win total from a season ago. I think now is the time where there's a little bit of value here in New Orleans for this season. I agree. In fact, I might play it when we get off. You know, I got distracted. I put a couple in early. Then I figured oh, I'm going to wait a little closer, see if we can get some of these alternative lines. But this is good value with New Orleans. I'm with you 100%. I love the addition to JV. Valanciunas is underrated. I'll take him for Adams any day. You look at any player-based metric, whether you want to go LeBron, Raptor, old school, box plus minus, they all like Jonas Valanciunas for a reason. He's going to add to winning. You know, this lot of, uh, you know, Devontae Grant could be inefficient. You know, we could – nitpick about Devontae Graham if you want, but there are going to be nights where he could carry them for two, three quarters offensively. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, now he's got to make some strides here. Willie, I'm not sure. Brandon Ingram's a good player. I think we know what we're going to get from him. You know, I don't love the bench. Tomas Sadoransky, uh, you know, Lewis Jr., Jackson yep. Hayes, Josh Hart's tough, but still, even in the West where there is depth, but the East is better than people think, by the way, but yeah, I think they get to the mid-40s before they finish under 500. I'm with you 100%. I was surprised. To your point, I was surprised the market was as down on New Orleans because if you were following the market on a daily basis like you and I were last year, yep. you made a lot of money fading New Orleans. Looks like this year, at least at the beginning of the season, it could be the other way around. And, and a full season of, like, point Zion too, right? Like, that's going to be an interesting thing too. Like, if they put a couple more shooters around him, like those lineups with Zion running the offense and Jonas Valanciunas out there, like – there's a really good chance that this is going to look a lot better this year. And I wasn't, wasn't a big fan of Stan Van Gundy, and it obviously didn't work out, didn't really connect with him. And I think there's something to be said of a guy at almost every turn, like after the games, being like, I don't know, ask them. They stuck. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah. It was almost every time he was throwing them under the bus. And at some point when you got to the end of the season, you realize, like, man, like, I just don't think there's a connection there. It works for Michael Malone. I mean, I don't know how the guy does it. He just eviscerates the Denver Nuggets on a daily basis, but they continue to play hard for him. I would love to talk to one of those guys at a quiet moment to see what they think. You know, Jokic, he's from Eastern Europe. You know, he's probably not as accustomed to some of the other guys to what American coaching sometimes is like. So maybe that's a big factor. He's like a superstar that'll take it, whereas most would not. But Malone gets, he gets, man, he gets after them. It's crazy endeavor. But getting away from the point there. No, you're not. You're not wrong. The loss of SVG, I don't think, impacts the world as much. Nope. All right, so we're in agreement on New Orleans uh, over yep. on that win total. I know we're going to be in agreement here, and I feel like we're going to be in disagreement on others. So let's keep the positive vibes going. Golden State, uh, I have them down as one of the overvalued teams. And here's, and here's my thing, and I think you would agree with this. They are overvalued in the sense of preseason numbers, right? Like when you're talking about a win total over 40, when you're talking about odds to win a title – 
that are really short in the in the same range of like a Phoenix Suns or so. Like those are, I think, some overvalued numbers. By the time we get to the end of the season, and if Clay Thompson's back and fully healthy and ready to go, that might be great. But he's not going to be back until January, and until then, you have last year's Warriors team with Otto Porter Jr. as <laughs> like a really big difference, right? And like to me, this is going to be a team that again is going to really struggle in the non-Curry minutes when he is off the floor. They had a yeah. plus four net rating, plus four point two last year when he was on the floor. Then went to like negative seven when he was off the floor last season. They were really poor in his not yeah. like the, his resting minutes. You're going to get that same team early on, Tom. And so it's, for me, it's a play on the under. Not so much. I think they're going to be bad all season long. I just think they're not viable until Clay Thompson comes back. Yeah, I took this about a day after the lines were first put out. I mean, this is an easy one to me. They're going to win 41 games. I mean, talk about overvalued. What did you see in Wiseman last year that made you excited? I mean, he was a rookie. Believe me, I'm not writing him off. Sam Mitchell has told me, and he would know. I use him because he coached at Memphis when Wiseman was there. He loved him. Loved him. Wax poetically, every time I asked about him, I didn't see anything. Maybe I was just expecting too much. Wiggins, you know, at least the controversies behind him. I don't know. I still don't know how much he impacts winning. You know, I love Steph Curry. Steph Curry is still Steph. But Draymond Green, he's far from the guy who hit seven threes in a Game 7 NBA Final. Oh, my God. He doesn't even want to shoot now. He's worse at shooting the basketball, taking layups, or giving them up than Ben Simmons is at this point. I mean, I'm with you 100%. And Klay Thompson might not return till Christmas? Yep. And there are some folks out there telling betters to take the over 48. I don't know what the hell they're smoking. And maybe they do. It won't be the first time I'm wrong. But this is one. The minute I saw it, I said, I don't need to wait. Whoop, let's get that in. Yeah. I think you definitely – definitely are looking at value there now i think the the fly in the ointment potentially and this is one of the longer shot preseason bets that i am waiting to make i want to see what the other markets are going to pop up here in las vegas i think jordan Poole is a legitimate candidate for most improved player i think Poole showed last year that he's a really really solid like six man and if he takes like a massive leap forward maybe right he's that secondary force that they need when curry's not gonna be out there but that's also a pretty big ask for him right uh, for those yeah. who don't know you know 22.1 more points per game or excuse me points per 100 shot attempts uh, last year that was jordan pool spike in usage rate was up to 23.3 percent so his efficiency got better despite a spike in usage which is always a positive sign solid cutter you know like there's there's things about him that are really cool and really good and i think most improved is definitely out there for him he's about 40 to 1 in some other markets outside of las vegas but Again, that's a massive leap that he needs to make for them to yeah. be viable when Curry is off the floor. And I think that's really the only thing that kind of burns you, if that's going to be the case. Or if, like, Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody are, are just, like, right, otherworldly rookies coming off of that bench, which I don't think is going to be the case. No, I can't see that being the case. I didn't know that pool was 40-1. to one. You play a lot more of that stuff than I do. Something's got to be cut with the four kids. Unfortunately, I don't have as much time to run yeah. the numbers and cap. <laughs> So that's what goes. I let my wife take care of that. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's coming for you, my friend. It's going to yeah. get much tough. You're going to like stay up a little later to plug in the numbers. He's going to be all annoyed at you. Get doing this again. It's, <laughs> but, you know, listen, it's worth it. Don't get me wrong. No, but long story short, so I didn't look at any of those numbers, but I am surprised you could get pulled at 40 to 1. You know, he, he kind of imitates Steph Curry when he's out there on the floor sometimes. Right. Sometimes it looks bad. Sometimes it looks good. But I'm with you. They're not going to get enough collectively from that younger unit to go over their season win total. I think those are two good ones you have there. All right, so you think we're going to disagree. Tell me yes. where I'm wrong. Tell me where you're right. Go ahead. So, I, Well, I think because this is kind of an ugly team, so I don't know where you're at with this, but I will go with one of the undervalued teams. And uh, myself, so you said you thumbed through the guide. Me and Aaron Rinning uh, were the only two that picked this team to make it as an eight seed in the Western Conference. Give me everything about the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think they're an undervalued team. 
I think what Chris Finch did in his time there, and you know, and on the surface too, right? Because I, I mentioned this, like on the surface, when you look at what happened with Chris Finch when he took over, like it's not really that much of a change. But if you dive a little bit deeper, there are some things to like, right? So let's, for example, Ryan Saunders gets fired last season. Timberwolves seven and twenty-four straight up, fourteen and seventeen against the spread, a negative eight net rating. The offense, the offensive rating was one hundred six point four. They were just terrible, awful. Yeah. Chris Finch takes over on February twenty-second. They end the season still with a losing record, 16-25 under him, 18-23 against the spread. But some key changes, right? Offensive rating up to 112.9 in non-garbage time minutes. A massive improvement in terms of that offense. Finch knows what to do, pushing all the buttons. The net rating goes from negative 8 to about negative 4.2. And again, it's not great, but those are really good improvements. And over the last 12 games, they're 7-5 straight up and against the spread. And if you look at some of the numbers, when you're talking about this team being at full strength, right, when they're all on the floor together, which is an ask because there's some injury concerns with all these guys. When you're talking about D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns on the floor together, that you were talking about a net rate or an offensive rating that's well over 120. You throw Malik Beasley in there with them too. Like this is a really good offensive unit. Plus 4.6 with those three on the floor. And so I just think, Tom, when you're looking at everything, if you're telling me the win total is 33 and a half, and I get a, a coaching upgrade, which I think is really the case, which you saw play out over the final 12 games, I think that this is a team much like Charlotte was last year for me that is kind of flying under the radar. And by the time we get to the end of the year. Are they going to be like a threat? No. But are they going to get into a play-in situation, I think, and potentially win one of those seeds? I think that's absolutely plausible. My numbers have them at 33 and a half. So I think the number is dead on. Yep. I do appreciate your point, though. They were definitely a better team second half of the year. If they stay healthy, there's no reason they shouldn't go over. People are kind of sleeping on Carl Anthony Towns. Towns is a great talent, man. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's not Embiid or Jokic. They're both historical centers. He's not that good. And AD, I still look at AD as kind of a four, should play five in that lineup. But you get the point. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a terrible, you know, look, again, the roster doesn't defend, and I don't know who's going to hold them accountable. I think that's been the biggest issue in Minnesota for a long time. Towns doesn't defend. They bring over his friend, Russell. He doesn't defend. Saunders, you know, his father was a big deal there, but that's not a big enough name to truly scare them into defending. They don't defend on a nightly basis, you know, and they're not that skilled at it either, but they also don't defend on a nightly basis. They don't have that sort of culture. And I don't know if they still have that now because they changed the coaching staff. I can't assume that. I got to see it. If they commit on that end and stay healthy, there's no reason they should go over what's a relatively small number considering the talent on the roster. But my numbers came out to 33 and a half, so I'll stay away. This is what you brought Patrick Beverly in for, right? He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna take all the defensive prowess the upon himself. And he's that's a, you know him. he. I guess, but you know that's how desperate they yeah. are. You have to bring in somebody like Patrick Beverly, and hopefully everybody's gonna feed off Beverly. Who knows? I mean, or Beverly's going to rub them the wrong way because we know they're a little sensitive to bullies in the locker room, a la the Jimmy Butler situation. And Pat Bev could be a pain in the butt, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, Paul George found that out. You'd know more about that than I would. I think Pat Bev and Paul George, for the most part, had a good relationship. But you get where I'm coming from. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting play. But 33 and a half, that's probably about right. All right, where are you at with the New York Knicks? They are one of my overvalued and or undervalued team. I won't give it away. But where are you at with New York into the season? I'm thinking about taking the over. You know, a lot of people, sharp people, seem to be on the other side. I'm thinking about taking the over. Number one, Thibodeau always plays his guys. You never have to worry about load management. I think Boston's going to be fine. I think Boston can get to the, the high 40s this year without Kemba. But I, at the same time, believe that Kemba in a new situation could find himself a little bit here. I like the way to defend. The only thing that would concern me is Julius Randle. Maybe that's a bit of an outlier season. And if it is, you could be in some trouble. But I think this is a basketball team that could go over the win total. When I saw that come out, I figured it might be a little higher just based on, you know, New York's would get money anyway. Mm-hmm. But let me look at my calculations here. I have them 
Uh, let's see. I have them at 44 wins. That's actually higher than I remember. Or no, that's actually lower than I remember. But that's still, what, two and a half games above. So yep. I'm thinking about it. I don't know if it's enough value yet. I'll have to go line shopping. I don't know where you saw it of late. I haven't checked it a couple of days. Last I saw it was 41 and a half. 42 and a half, 41 and a half, yep. Okay, so if I get 41 and a half, I think there's value there. I'm not sure yet if I'm going to play it. I'm probably going to delve deeper into the numbers before I figure it out. But I would definitely lean over. Yeah. Okay. So this is finally where we've reached our disagreement. I think uh, one of my favorite win totals is, is under uh, on New York this season at 42 and a half. And so there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but I think you start with the obvious points, right? You mentioned Julius Randall and I, I look, I had a 22 to one taken on Randall last year to win most approved. The guy was awesome. I loved every second of it. And he was a great story to follow. Hell, the Knicks were, I think for pe people don't remember the Knicks actually finished last year as the best cover team in the league. They covered 62.7% of yeah. the games. They had that stretch at the end of the season where they won and covered 12 straight games. Like it was incredible what they were able to do. I don't think they won straight, but they covered 12 straight. But regardless, I think you start with Randall, right? And you're talking about a guy like career highs across the board. We're talking about usage rate, assist rate, yeah. three-point shooting, points per game. And this was a team, right, that had a negative net rating still and was, was, was atrocious offensively as a whole in terms of their efficiency. And that's with a guy just completely balling out, right? And so how does that factor in when he comes? Because I think he is. He's going to regress to the mean. To what extent, we don't know. But that's coming back down in terms of Fair. performance, right? And then one of the things that has bugged me, Tom, and, and – one of my flaws as a handicapper is I do like the numbers a little bit too much, but this did play out in the shorter sample size against Atlanta. One of the things that had bothered me about New York throughout that entire season, it is not sustainable to be one of the best, actually the best three-point defense in the NBA, the fourth best defense in terms of efficiency, and allow the highest rate of wide open three-point looks in the NBA. Like that, those two yeah. things just don't really work. And there were conversations about, ah, oh, you know, they leave the right shooters open, whatever it is. It's not a strategy that works, man. And so that's going to come back to burn them. And hell, it did against Atlanta. Atlanta shot 42% on wide open threes against the Knicks. It's the reason why they lost. And so I think a couple of these things put together. The fact that actually, if you look, Derrick Rose in a couple of key categories actually had career years last year. <laughs> like yeah. Derrick Rose, an MVP, had a career year last year in certain categories. And when I put those all together, to me, it comes to regression to a really strong degree, right? They could still be a playoff team in the Eastern Conference, find themselves in a new playing situation, whatever it is. But now you're telling me that they're going to be above 500 with all of those things kind of working against them. That, that to me, they're, they're a prime candidate for a bounce back. Yeah, I think a lot of what you said makes sense. I love that you look at the uh, cleaning the glass numbers. I do, too. I mean, obviously, it's wise to have the player-based models. I have them all, too. But mm -hmm. you still got to take a look at some of those other numbers, like the locative field goal percentage and stuff like that, just to get a sense of who might be you know, overperforming to an extent and who is going to regress to the mean. You brought up some good points. Again, you don't want to be a slave to the stat sheet. My numbers like them a little bit better than yours, looking at the player-based models. But um, you do bring up a lot of points. I mean, Julius Randle was so good last year. Is it really possible he goes backwards? I don't know. Sometimes you get caught making that assumption. Like, I'll give you an example. This year, the Buffalo Bills, to me, man, they've been the best team in football, bar none yeah. thus far. Here I was before the year saying, Josh Allen, you know, one great year. He's going to regress back to the mean, still be really good, but not quite. Well, I was wrong, but he's been great, and Buffalo's been awesome. Now, that's apples to oranges in terms of Josh Allen to Joyce Randall. But you get the point I'm making. Who knows? Maybe Randall just needed to change his scenery. You know, year one with New York, okay. Year two, great. And here he goes. Wouldn't be the first time. The odds are probably on your side, though. So what are, well, I have one more undervalued team, but I'll give you the four because you, you mentioned the Miami Heat that are on your list. Uh, and, and I think it is a fair criticism when you looked at the NBA guide. I picked them second as a seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't know how viable they are as a title contender. I think that they're just going to be team try hard. 
right? Like this is going to be a team that yeah. is really going to want to win a lot of regular season games. And ultimately that leads to a situation where you get a team that is, for lack of a better term, overseeded, right? Just because they cared in the regular season, they might find themselves at the top three. That was my logic behind number two. But I got to say, I don't like their bench at all. I think they're going to struggle when they get to that because they gave up a lot of resources to go and get Kyle Lowry. But why don't you like Miami? For a number of reasons. I know they're going to be the try-hard team. They play physically, but it's not 1992. It's 2022. So, you know, that only takes you so far. Kyle Lowry's getting up there. I mean, I don't know if he's going to want to sit. They probably want him to sit. He won't. Will he be, by the end of the year, a little worn down? I think that's a probable outcome here. I do like Bam Adebayo. I'm not nearly as high as everybody else on Tyler Hero. He's a decent player at best. Let's calm down on Hero. Robinson, I like, is a complimentary piece to Butler. Remember, they did lose Goran Dragic, too. In fairness, Dragic was their second or third most important player when they made that run in the bubble. Look, I'm not saying they're a bad team, but my numbers have them at 43.27 wins. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the win total is 48 and a half. You're telling me that team's 16 games above 500? And I love Butler. But, you know, he's going to miss about 10 games, too. I don't see it. I like Lowry. I like how gritty they are. Nobody's going to want to play them in the postseason. But they're not, like, overwhelmingly talented. I just think that 48 and a half, it's all relative to what your expectation is. If I could get a 48 and a half, I'm taking the under all day. In the Eastern Conference, sure, they'll be a pain in the rear end. But I could see them behind Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Atlanta. Even my numbers have, and you'll hate this. This is a good one for you. I have the New York Knicks at 44.15 in front of the Miami Heat at 43.27. Now, that doesn't feel right. Yeah, but it does give you an indication. No, I don't. I don't love Miami. I already played the under forty-eight and a half. No, I mean, and those are all fair, right? And you know, I, I like I bring up the bench too, like you're talking about. So Tyler Hero coming off the bench, but greatly declining last season. Overall mark of thirty-six point three percent from deep, thirty-five percent on non-corner three. So he declined as a shooter. And then you get to the rest of the bench, and you're kind of like, oh, like what's going on here? Like Markeith Morris, this looks like he's going to play a pretty big role. You have Dwayne Dedman. What is Casey Akpala? Right, Gabe Vincent, Victor yeah. Oladipo. But like it, to me, it's it's the depth that really bothers me about Miami. And yeah. so maybe I'm thinking about it in reverse. Like maybe when you get to the postseason and you just play your starting five as much as you possibly can, they're going to be a pain in the ass forever they right. face. Uh, and, but I, 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 that's, I can totally understand not liking they, Miami. They're going to need Gabe Vincent to be knocking down threes like he's Steph right. Curry on that second unit. I mean, just, you know, we'll have to track how they do their lineups. And Spolster's pretty good. I'm sure he'll be pretty creative in terms of how he does the lineup shakeups. But that second unit, generally speaking, on most nights is going to have problems against the better teams with more depth than them. So... I think that's going to be a problem. To your point, though, yeah, they're going to battle you in a series, man. They're going to make it difficult. When the refs start to swallow their whistle, as inevitably they do each and every postseason, it's just to what extent. That's when Miami, I think, will be at their best. But when the refs are calling everything and you're there for two and a half hours, Miami's going to be in trouble. I, uh, I So I likened them to – I thought it was perfect that they signed P.J. Tucker – because I just think they're PJ like Tucker as a team, right? Like they're right. just like right. you're gonna look up and like you're like wow, like my eyes are telling me that PJ Tucker's great, but then you look up and KD's got 36 points on like 47 percent shooting. You're like, oh, well, <laughs> how right. effective is it really gonna be? Right, exactly. So. Then you look at like every metric. Now take it for <laughs> right. what it's worth, but every metric hates PJ Tucker. He's like a right. minus four everywhere across the board. LeBron, Raptor, box plus one, whatever you want to like, estimate it plus minus. I'm not a Tucker guy either. I think he's a little overrated. Sure, he gets under the skin of opponents, but who cares if you get under the skin and they still drop 30 on you? What does that mean? Yep. All right, so I've got one more undervalued team. This one's ugly, and uh, I can totally understand anybody turning their nose up at this. 
But I have to tell you, Tom, I really like what's going on in Detroit. I, I think that they are doing a really good job in terms of building personnel. And you saw little glimpses of it near the end of the year, right? Because, you know, they were one of the tanking teams, but they, they just went with their youth. Like the, one of the differences, kind of like Oklahoma City, yeah. they, just, they just rolled the young guys out there at the end of the year. They're like, screw it. Like, let's just put these young guys out there. Let's let them develop and, and, and get some bumps and bruises. And, and it didn't really work out well, right? They, they went 20 games last year, but there were some flashes of competitiveness. April, for example, they covered nine of their 16 games. They went 6-10 and 10 straight up. On the surface, that's not great, but for a team like Detroit, going 6-10 and 10 over 17 games or 16 games is actually yep. pretty good. And if you look at the addition of Cunningham in the draft, who looks like, again, I always do this, Luka Doncic-esque in that he's just a 6'7", big-body guy who can control the ball and facilitate and do a lot of stuff with it. Not that he's at Luka Doncic's level, right. but a similar yes, player. Right then, you like young players like Hayes, Stewart, Sadiq Bay, who I absolutely love. He was my rookie of the year pick before the season started last year. There are a lot of things I think to like about them. And then you get to the bench too, and there's like some intriguing mix of veteran depth there. Right, Corey uh, Corey Joseph, steady veteran guard who can run the point. You talk about yep. Kelly Olynyk getting added to this team, and then you have other pieces like Hamadou Diallo, Josh Jackson. I just think when you're talking about in the range of 26 and a half wins, what Dwayne Casey has shown in terms of his ability to develop teams and talent, and what they kind of showed down the stretch last year, I, I think this is a team that's going to push push for like maybe 30 wins and and be a little bit more competitive than the market's given them credit for. Interesting. I'm going to stay away from that one. My numbers have the Detroit Pistons at 24. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it's going to depend on what they get from the young kids, Cade Cunningham. You know, Cunningham's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I can tell you this much, though. As a Sixers season ticket holder, I was looking through my tickets today because I got to move a lot of them on the market, of course. And nobody wants to play to see the Detroit Pistons. So I hope you're right, man. Oh, my God. I'm selling them at like half the face value, JVT. I'm taking might take you hit, up on one man. of those. That's a bigger gamble than playing the market on a nightly basis, being a Sixers season ticket holder. The last couple of years, they've been the toughest ticket in the NBA. This year, because of the Simmons situation, there's not nearly as much excitement. But anyway, getting back to your point, they played the Pistons during the year. That's why I was mm-hmm. looking at it. I, I, like the, I like the pick of Cade Cunningham. You didn't have any other choice, even if you didn't blow your way mm-hmm. in the tournament. People over-evaluate the tournament. We both know that. I do like Dwayne Casey, so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. They're going to have a rough year, but it's yes. all relative to your expectation. And it's going to come down to how well does the number one pick play. If the number one pick looks like a number one pick at the end of the year, the season's a success, whether they go over or under their win total. If he comes away looking inefficient and he has like, I hate to beat up on him because stylistically speaking, he's a different player, but he looks like Wiseman. Yep. Then you're going to you're gonna wonder if you screwed up again and that might set you back another three years. So for a team like that, it's all about the young kids and in particular one kid because sometimes that's all it takes in the NBA is to get that one superstar. Next thing you know, things get a little easier for you, easier to attract free agents and whatnot. You start to be able to sell the brand. Cade Cunningham has to be a star for Detroit, period. This is the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast, only on the VSIN Podcast Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. 
Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely. All right, so we've gone over a bunch of my win totals, under overvalued teams. Uh, any other win total that we have not discussed or team that we have not discussed that you think should be out there? Yeah, this will surprise Spurs fans because for some reason they think I hate the Spurs. Why would anybody hate the Spurs in little San Antonio, Texas? But I'm going to take the over on San Antonio, James. I like it. I'm going to take the over on them. I mean, 28 and a half, I think the number was that I took. I took this months ago, so I don't even remember now if I'm honest. Yeah, 28 and a half. My numbers seem a little generous, but I got them at 37 wins. And maybe I'm a little higher on some of the young talent. I mean, if DeJounte Murray plays 82 games, I really like Murray. I get why Darren Morey's not taking that package we heard rumored offered by San Antonio, because I don't love Lonnie Walker. But, man, if I can get my hands on DeJounte Murray, I'd do that in a minute. I know everybody's waxing poetically about Patty Mills and what a great signing for Brooklyn. You could say two things at the same time and be right. It's a really good pickup for Brooklyn and their second team. But Patty Mills might be a little overvalued at the same time. They're going to be able to shoot the three. I like Derek White. You know, they're going to play hard. I know they're going to have load management issues from time to time. That's San Antonio for you. But this is a numbers play to me. They're just too much value. 28 and a half is a little disrespectful to San Antonio. Pop, you know, he drives me nuts, but he can coach. And so I think he'll coach him up. If they're not into the 30s, I'd be very surprised. I don't think they're a playoff team. Please don't get it twisted. But I'd be surprised if they don't win in the 30s. I completely agree for the guy that I took over. And, and one of the things, too, like, so if you look at, like, the core, right, you're talking about DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Kelvin Johnson, Jakob Pertle. Like, when they were on the floor together, and it's, it's a good sample size. We're talking about, like, 900 possessions. It, it, was, a, it was a negative 0.4 net rating. Yeah, it's like an average team. Right? Right. Like, we're not talking. It's, I think it's, what, one of four teams this season that has a win total? One of six teams under 30? Like, to me, you're right. Like, that seems a little disrespectful. Yeah. And also – like, the addition of Doug McDermott's solid. Like, their shooting was kind of an issue last year. 
He's become just a sharpshooter. When he was with yeah. Indiana, 41.1% over his three seasons there. Uh, and I losing agree. to I was... Rosen, JVT, let's be yep. honest. I mean, losing to Rosen's not that big a deal. Like, the Rosen's a fun player to watch. He'd be great in the playground. I get it. But, you know, he's always shooting twos. And I know we don't want to waste too much time on the two versus three and three-point revolution that people go nuts about. But the bottom line is he doesn't impact winning the way you might assume for somebody who drops as many points on a nightly basis as he does. Let me ask you about a couple teams, though, because here are a couple teams that I was thinking about. Do you really want to go against these teams, though, because the numbers are so low? But, JVT, you wouldn't believe how low my numbers are on the Orlando Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, yeah. these are going to be two horrifically pathetic. I mean, the numbers so low I haven't hit either yet, but I might before the season begins. I probably will. Oklahoma City stinks. Orlando stinks. You know, maybe they have a couple decent young players. I don't like the direction of either organization. I hate to play unders on little numbers like that. But in this case, there might be value with both Orlando and OKC. Are you seeing the same? I would say 100% with Orlando. I think Orlando is, uh, you never use the word in this industry, but they are very close to certain to be the worst team in the NBA, I think, yeah, this year. no question. Like, like their offense is going to be really bad. And here's the thing, too, that like they're also dealing with a lot of injury issues, right? We're talking about Markel Fultz, right. who's still recovering from that torn ACL. Isaac should be back relatively early. If, uh, who knows Michael how long Williams. Jonathan Isaac plays? I like right. I like this game a lot, but he'll be out by the first month of the season. Uh, correct. So, like, I think when you look at this overall, like, there's certain little pieces to like. Like, I think you like Jalen Suggs as a player. I think you like Shumo Kiki as a player. But then the rest of it is just like, you know, Gary Harris and what he's going to provide for them. You know, R.J. Hampton. Like, there's just so many pieces on this team. I think that from an offensive standpoint, they're almost a certainty to be one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA. And I think from a record standpoint, yeah, I could see like an 18-win season for them. And that's like a really good year because they look like they're going to be atrocious. And I think with Oklahoma City, like, obviously – I think your margin of error gets a little bit less with them, mainly because they have Lou Dort and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. But yeah. the question is, like, how do they handle the end of the season again? Because for those who don't remember, who are listening we'll to the podcast form or watching, they needed two or three wins in their last 24 games to go over the win total, and they went 1-23. and 23. So, like, that's – I would agree with both of them that, like, for the guy that went under on their win totals for each. But I think with Orlando, I, I would, like, wholeheartedly – uh, play that under the total just because I think that they were going to be atrocious. I agree. Now, the other one, and we kind of hinted at this earlier, I don't love taking a big number like this, but I, if I could still find a 54 and a half with Milwaukee, I think you got to take yep. the over. The Bucks are that good. Everybody wants to continue to sleep on Giannis. We should appreciate the superstar that he is. He's got a couple wingmen that aren't all NBA talents, but they're both very good in Middleton. And I used to be tough on Middleton, but he has proven to be a max player. And Holiday, Budenholzer, you know, I think he erased a lot of the doubts. Let's give him some credit. I, too, was worried about the lack of adjustments, big spots. And it wasn't a perfect run. I mean, they were very fortunate to beat Brooklyn. Let's not forget about that. But at the end of the day, he ended up winning. So, you know, they're going to attack the regular season like they always do. That's another, that's another number I'm definitely considering taking here is the over on the Milwaukee Bucks. Yep, one of the best starting lineups in the NBA in terms of net rating, everything. I would completely agree with that. Uh, all right, we're coming up on 45 minutes. I don't want to waste a lot of your time. Let me throw out one more team at you uh, before we get you out of here because this is one that I'm, I'm kind of confused on, like flopping back and forth in terms of what I want to do with them. But I don't think there was a team in the NBA over the last year and a half that has been dealt a shorter hand than the Toronto Raptors, right? Like, mm. we're talking about the Orlando experience where they're the first team there, like, well in advance of everybody else. They experience that, have to play in a neutral all year long last year. Kyle Lowry's gone, 
And I think like there's there's a lot to like about them, right? At least if you looked at like when we're talking about Fred Van Vliet being a really solid uh, guard option and shooter, he's one yeah. of the better players, like super underrated, right? You're talking about OG Ananobi, one of my favorite players in the league, a uh, most improved candidate as well this coming season. Is really coming as a scorer. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., dynamic shooter and scorer as well. We talked about the defensive shortcomings there. Pascal Siakam's kind of taking a step back a little bit. We'll see what he's going to be this year. But, like, I like a lot of them. They're, they're super athletic. I think guys like Precious Achua are going to be awesome for them. Of course, their first-round selection coming in here, too. Like, I, I think there's a lot to like about Toronto. But the one thing that really bothers me is I just don't know how good they're going to be in the half court. I have, I have a lot of expectations of them being great defensively, great in transition, solid shooting. But they were a poor half-court offense last year. There's no north-south presence, no attack off the dribble finish within four feet of the basket, and that's what kind of bothers me. Like, I could see them going over their win total being a 40-45 win team-ish and making the postseason with ease. I could also see them scrapping around and competing for a play-in spot in the East. I like the over, too. My numbers like the over. I was thinking about Toronto. I don't know if I'll play it. I don't know if there's a 35-and-a-half still out there, but if there is, that's a pretty good value. I got them at 38.3 for the year. I'm going to be keen on Pascal Siakam. You know, Siakam to me was a budding star. I thought you could kind of put him in that Tatum-Ben Simmons space for a little while there. And then he kind of went backward. He regressed a little bit. He certainly has not become the shooter that I thought he might be become. When Toronto went on that great run, you know, they beat Philly in seven games. They were fortunate, but still, they beat the Warriors in a championship. Pascal Siakam was incredibly important. We talked a lot about Kyle Lowry. It was good for Lowry to get his first chip, and I agree. But we kind of forgot about Siakam and how great he was. He hasn't progressed. Yep. You know, I thought he'd be better. I thought he'd be at this stage of his career, a guy who's a consistent all-star. If he could get to that level with Fred Van Vliet, who I love, I think he's entirely underrated. NOG on an OB. You're right. There's no reason to believe this team that's going to get some easy buckets out in transition, you know, on a sleepy Tuesday night, they're going to catch teams off guard because they're still going to have energy under Nick Nurse and get a lot of easy buckets. I, I think they're going to be well run with the point guard there because, again, I can't say it enough. I really like Fred Van Vliet. If I'm the Sixers, by the way, I wouldn't mind getting my hands on him. But right. you need more than Van Vliet, of course, and an OB and more. But, yeah, I'm with you. I would lean over Toronto. I'm not sure I got to go into the postseason. Like, I think Chicago will be a little better. I'm not going to overreact the preseason. I know there are some smart folks out there just under power rating, half point, point. I can't do that even if they are great in the preseason. But I can see Chicago vying for an eight seed. I think Toronto is going to be on the outside looking in. Are they better than Indiana? I don't think so. Uh, they're not better than Chicago. They're probably better than Washington. Yep. I think 38 wins sounds about right. What was your, what was your win total for Chicago? What would you come out at? I had 41.3. Yeah, right on line with I, I like there's a I know there was a couple of people on the network that are pretty high on the Bulls. They just I think they're going to be pretty bad defensively. They might be a lot better offensively. Yeah. And their their dynamic is weird, right? Cuz they have like a whole bunch of offense first guys in their starting lineup and then a whole bunch of like just defensive athletes on the bench and I just don't know how that works out in terms of a balance. I don't love the DeRozan addition yeah. there. And I was getting excited. I don't want to kill DeMar DeRozan cuz it's going to make it seem like right. wow, geez, Tom hates DeMar. No, it's not. I don't hate DeMar DeRozan, but He's just not as good as people think he is just because he drops a certain amount of points a game. And he's going to have the ball in his hands an awful lot. They should probably run the offense a lot more through uh, Vukovic, right? But the problem with Vucevic is he's not a very good defender. He's not going to protect the rim. They don't have a lot of great perimeter defenders. You know, Kobe White, maybe he takes a step this year. I'm not sure about that. So I, I like the Bulls. I think they're about 500. I'm certainly not going to get carried away because they look great in the postseason or the preseason. You and I love the NBA. It's my favorite sport to cap. But at the same time, 
you couldn't pay me enough to watch some of these preseason games, JVT. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. What a complete well, way, especially with football going on and the baseball playoffs. I mean, you can't. You can't no. do it. I, I tuned in on Tuesday to Lakers and Warriors, and I was, like, in for, like, 10 minutes watching the starting wow. lineup, see how they work, and I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, when you're enough. when you're leading offense, I think the leader in offensive ratings like the Mavericks, but then after that, like, second place right now is, like, 110 or something. Like well, the, the Mavericks preseason. scored, like, the <laughs> right. Mavericks were, like, 80 points, I think, on national TV in a preseason game. There might have been, like, five people watching that game on ESPN. Yeah, it's pretty bad. All right, Tom, hey, before we get you out of here, anything else like awards or anything of that nature in the markets that you've been looking at, or is it just win totals preseason? Not really. I've just been hitting the win totals, and I'll start breaking it down on a nightly basis, of course, as well. you got to get all your alerts set up now, JVT, your yep. injury alerts. You know, that's another way to beat the market and get the mobile app out quickly. But I'll be looking to beat the market on a nightly basis. I love the, you know, the intellectual challenge. I had a big year last year, but, you know, that doesn't guarantee any success the next year. I think it's going to be a fun year. You know, if Brooklyn were healthy, I'd be a little concerned that that's too much of a lock for my liking in the East. But without Kyrie Irving, I think, you know, Milwaukee's definitely going to be good. Philadelphia, let's see what they end up getting for Ben Simmons. I think Miami's overrated, but the East is going to be fun. The West is going to be a lot of fun. You know, there are a lot of good teams in the West. Phoenix is no guarantee to get back. The Lakers aren't a guarantee. Denver's a team to keep an eye on. So I'm looking forward to the season, man, just from the betting and fan perspective. I think it's another season where, and it's a good thing, despite two big brands right now, the Nets, not that they were a big deal before Durant and Kyrie, they were last in attendance, but still right now they are, New York and everything else. And the Lakers, despite those teams getting all the coverage, and of course Ben Simmons of Philadelphia, it is not going to be a predictable year this year in terms of who wins the championship. And that's not always the case for the NBA, and I think the NBA is better when there is a little bit of parity. I, I wrote about it. It's the cover story in the guide this year. It's okay. you know, each each of the last three years, you haven't had a repeat final appearance. You haven't had a repeat finals right. champion. You've had three different teams win the title over the last three seasons. You, no, it's been really good. It, and it's been, you like you said, any one of the uh, guys, uh, teams in the Western Conference, pick them to come out and I'd be like, okay, like I can totally understand. Outside yeah. of, right, like Minnesota and things like that. If you're telling, like, I think, for example, one of the sneaky teams that could be a top two seed is Dallas. Like, if Luka Doncic is going to play yeah. every game and he's going to be an MVP type level, like, you yep. could see them win in 55, 60 games. Well, and, they need, if Chris Dasperzingis is the player that many thought he was after a short yeah. sample size in New York, they can be the second seed, no problem. I don't know that KP is that dude. Luka's special, though. I mean, my God, they better not squander his prime. I mean, Mark Cuban will never live that down. This dude. He's going to be one of, you know, already he's going to be one of the top 20 players in the history of the sport. I mean, it's, he's trending in that direction. I think Giannis is too, quite obviously. He doesn't even have that much more to do. It's two guys who deserve more love while all we do is talk about LeBron and KD. Yep. I mean, it's like we're, so there's a lot of like, hey, is there any value in the MVP market? If Luca's play, if you're telling me Luca's playing 75 ish games and the, like, right, and he's on the court, I like, it's, he's got all the narrative behind him after what he did to the Clippers last year. He's got MVP candidacy like written all over him this year in terms of winning that thing. Yeah, it's a good pick. I could see that. You know, the weird part about trying to project forward, though, in terms of these awards is trying to figure out what the media is going to think. Yep. Because you and I could go to our numbers, we could examine the numbers, and we might be right about who should win. But the media might go in another direction because James Harden nailed it a couple of years ago. Bias plays a role, right? And narratives definitely play a role. Like, for example, you knew Giannis wasn't winning the award last year. He won it the two years before. Like, they're mm -hmm. never going to give him a third year. Like, it's funny, Steve Nash gets killed. Oh, he should have never won it back in, what was it, 2005 or 2006. He was actually better in 2007. But you knew he wasn't getting the MVP because he took so much heat because people thought it should have been Kobe or Shaq. So that's what makes it a little tricky for my liking sometimes. But then again, 
if you just listen to some of the talking heads and put on SportsCenter every morning, you kind of, you know, get a sense of which way the wind's blowing. Yep. And therefore, maybe you could get ahead of some good numbers, too. So it works both ways. Yep. I will uh, I will go to my grave saying that uh, Monty Williams was snubbed last year because he didn't coach in New York. Tom Thibodeau won that award, Coach of the Year, because he's a Knicks head coach. If he had coached oh, yeah, the Pacers. Absolutely. <laughs> if New York is in the mix, especially yeah. considering the Knicks have been non-relevant or irrelevant, a part of it, in a long time, you know, 100% the new, I don't know if it's the only reason he won, but it's 100% one of the reasons he won. You can't even deny that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Tom Byrne, hey, let everybody know uh, where your work is, where they can find you and what you're doing. Uh, Mad Dog Radio, of course, channel 82. And NBA Radio, channel 86. You don't even need to go to 207 on Sirius. It's just there, XM 86, as we get the season going as well. JVT, always appreciate it. Yep, always good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much. And again, so uh, Harvard Handicappers, we're going to be live um, every single episode. So check this out. It's going to be Twitter. It is going to be uh, Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash me, JVT. And this will be reposted, of course, wherever you get your podcast. So if you miss out on any part of this, uh, this will be, of course, repurposed on the Harvard Handicappers podcast feed. So make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe. Really quickly, before we get out of here, uh, just to kind of rehash for those who haven't seen it yet, and please check out the NBA guide. Any feedback is totally welcome. Uh, the win totals for me, best bets on terms of win totals, put them out in the email the other day. Uh, but just to go through some of the reasoning really quickly and some of the plays as well. Alphabetical order, not in terms of confidence, but Charlotte Hornets win total about 38 and a half under. Uh, anybody who followed the work last year knows how much I liked the Charlotte Hornets a season ago. The market's really high on them. Now all of a sudden you're reading about the Charlotte Hornets in publications over on ESPN, NBA.com, all these things. They were great. Surpassed their win total with ease. But if you looked at it in terms of what they were statistically, outperformed, uh, outperformed their metrics a season ago, 33 wins, although they had a profile of about a 30.4 win team last year. And that's over the course of 72 games. Now you get worse depth. Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, they're going to be gone and a higher win total of about 38 and a half. Pretty poor team defensively, too. I think this is a team that takes a little bit of a step back. And, and now, right, now you get the hype. Now you get the market coming around on them. So you get a little bit of an inflated win total. Give me under 38 and a half with the Charlotte Hornets. We talked about it with Tom. Uh, just to recap really quickly, over on the win total, the Detroit Pistons, 26 and a half like that. Houston Rockets, not a team we got into a lot. And these are some of the ugly teams. You don't spend a lot of time on them, right? But under on 24 and a half there with Houston. It's going to be a bad season, I think, this year. Steven Silas is doing a great job. I think he is, you know, an analytics nerd like me. Uh, he is one of the better coaches in terms of what he has them doing. Fifth most attempts within four feet of the basket on offense. Third most three-point attempts in the NBA from beyond the arc. But there's not a lot of depth here and the young talent is awesome Kevin Porter Jr. Jalen Green Chris Wood but this is going to be a team that really struggles once they get to their bench guys like Eric Gordon probably be a trade candidate John Wall's not going to play for them so I think that this is a team that is probably going to sit around 23 wins by the time we get to the end of the year talked about the Timberwolves the guilty pleasure this year over 33 and a half think this is a team that has the potential to make it into a play-in tournament in the Western Conference maybe even win it depending on who the teams are in there uh, picked them for the eighth seed in the NBA guide Pelicans over 38 and a half as we talked about too I think a team that is quietly improved especially with Jonas Valanciunas at center as opposed to Steven Adams opens up the floor a little bit more different coaching staff as well for young guys so over 38 and a half with New Orleans and then under 42 and a half with the New York Knicks so as the season begins Tuesday it'll be great for sure we're going to be here on Thursday mornings broadcasting live again on Twitter and on Twitch um, we'll have these again on the podcast feed too if you missed out on any part of those write-ups look for those those will be coming out on a nice nightly basis vcin.com slash jvt love the support there too and that's it man nba season's here really excited tips off on tuesday that's going to be a great watch so 
keep an eye out for that. And we're toying around with maybe some live streams during the week as well, maybe like before Wednesdays and Fridays. And those will be quick, like 20, 30-minute streams updating the market and some injury reports. So, again, appreciate anybody who watched this live and anybody listening to it right now. Like, rate, review, subscribe. We'll talk to you soon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.